0: Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the August 13th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. You can learn more about the services that we provide at my website. If you missed last week's episode, please make it your business to listen to that one. I titled that episode, I Live With Disability Every Day, and my special guest was Ann Streetman-Knighton. You can find that episode on my website, Janice allenjackson.weebly and that's w-e-e-b-l-y.com or you can just google Janice Allen Jackson and associates and you will find a local matters tab on the website or if you are on Facebook please go to and follow the local matters podcast of Georgia Facebook page once there you can listen and share those episodes with others like all of my episodes, it was also available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. Today, we have Ron Wakefield. He is with the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, who will discuss how the state provides services for thousands of Georgians who, like Ms. Knighton's daughter, have intellectual and or developmental disabilities. But before we get to Mr. Wakefield, I want you to know about upcoming shows. We will cover the topic of mental health next week, and the following week, we will learn more about monkeypox, what it is, who needs to be vaccinated, etc., Then, before we know it, it'll be time to get into election coverage as qualifying for school board seats and for tax commissioner begins on August 22nd. Again, thanks so much for being a part of our Local Matters family. Local Matters family Today, we continue our discussion about individuals who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we are uh, fortunate to have with us, Mr. Ron Wakefield, he is a division director with the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. How are you doing today, Ron?
1: I'm doing well, Ms. Jackson, good to be here.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I want to first give our listeners a flavor of that. This is big title there, long uh, description of this department. If you could kind of break that down for us. The Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities does what exactly?
1: And what I will do is, to keep it short, I will say, it stands for DBHDD, the same thing you just called, described, but I'll, I'll just keep it short and re- refer to the department as DBHDD. And we provide services for both individuals with mental health needs and developmental disability needs. And we also manage five state hospitals across the state.
0: And tell me, that sounds like a huge responsibility. What is your role within the department?
1: My role is this. I'm currently the division director. And what that means is I oversee all services related to intellectual and developmental disabilities for the department of GBHDD and also for the state of Georgia. I've been in this position for over five years, however, I worked with DDHDD in various other positions for the last 18 years. I graduated from Temple University in Philadelphia and I started my career in IDD services, believe it or not, over 40 years ago.
0: That is great. So, you're one of the rare ones that had chosen an area and have focused your entire career on that area?
1: That's absolutely correct. And um, somehow, I had other career aspirations. But you know what? This field chose me. Um, I visited a placement in in Philadelphia years ago and met some individuals with um, developmental disabilities. And just by being around them, interviewing them, talking to them, a a window just opened up. And I said, you know what? Let me explore this further. And 40 years later, this is where I still am. (laughs)
0: And, and what is it that you believe just has kept your interest in this field over all of those decades?
1: Well, a little known fact is, um, if you listen to me, I have an accent. And I was born in Jamaica. So I came here as a, as a young man. And I had a different career in mind. And when I met these individuals. My accent was a lot stronger. And believe it or not, um, one of the first things was that I was accepted. They understood me clearly, not an issue. I remember back then going to the bank and they'd say, what did you say? What did you say? I'd write things down, but not with these individuals. They accepted me. They embraced me. And that really was the starting point of a career. Um, Because everybody wants to feel wanted and needed. And as a result of that, I truly believe, although I'm an administrator at this point, I also believe that I'm an advocate for them and to ensure that they've received the best services possible.
0: Wow, that's quite a story. So their acceptance of you where maybe somebody else would not have really made that much of an impact on you. That, that's a great story about human nature and how it works. Um, if we get back to the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about organizational structures, like who's in char- charge of the department, who appoints the people in charge? You know, how, how does all that work?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, the person in charge of DBHDD is our commissioner, Judy Fitzgerald. And she was appointed by the governor. She was appointed first by, by Governor Deal, and, and then um, that, that appointment was extended by our current governor. Um, DDHDD also has an assistant commissioner, Ms. Ashley Fielden, And we also, as I mentioned earlier, we have five state hospitals, and also we have six regional offices. And the regional offices, uh, provide supports for both behavioral health and developmental disability services uh, for all those individuals that are in services in, in the community. And the DBHDD literally has over 3,400 employees statewide. Wow.
0: So you are a very large agency and, uh, you mentioned the facilities operated by the department and the regional offices is one of those regional offices here in the Augusta area.
1: You're absolutely correct. There, there is a regional office, um, in, in the Augusta area.
0: Okay. And we have one of the state hospitals as well.
1: Yes, correct. And, um, So let me say, in terms of uh, geography, we have have five state hospitals, uh, one in Savannah, the one in Augusta that you just mentioned, one in um, Columbus, West Central Regional, one in Milledgeville, Central State, another one in the Atlanta area, Atlanta Regional. And um, our, our regional offices, Augusta, as mentioned, one in Savannah, um one in Atlanta, one in Columbus and another one which is based in Somersville. So those are the six regional offices and the five state hospitals. okay all
0: right very good so you'd spread geographically throughout the the state, and that should make it easier uh, in terms of getting access to services for people. Um, One of the other things I really want people to understand, because this is something that the average person wouldn't understand. I mean, yours is one of those departments where I think unless you have a family member who receives services Um, or somebody very close to you, you wouldn't even know that your department exists and the types of things that you all do um, and the population that you serve. Um, When we talk about people who have intellectual disabilities, some people have developmental disabilities. I think some people may have both. Um, Can you tell us what you mean when you say that somebody has intellectual and, and or developmental
1: disabilities. Absolutely. Um, so inter- let's start with intellectual de- develop- de- developmental disability first. Um, it's a diagnosis that must occur prior to age 18. And what it in- entails is a significant impairment in adaptive functioning. And what that means is someone is not able to do their regular um, function, daily functioning. They probably cannot uh, dress themselves properly. They probably cannot use the bathroom um, without some assistance. And then they also need to have significant impairment in their cognitive functioning. And what that means is typically their IQ is below 70. So we take both those things in mind um, when... A, Uh, diagnosis is made for intellectual developmental disability, and it needs to occur prior to age 18. Then we also have a larger, um, closely related condition, and that's where the developmental um, disability falls under. And it's a condition resulting in substantial impairment of general intellectual functioning or adaptive behavior, similar to that of persons with an intellectual disability and requires treatment or services similar to, rec- to those required for these persons. And the onset and significant limitations in adapting functioning for this category needs to be prior to age 22. So the first category was prior to age 18. This one is up on, uh, to, to age 22. And, and typically, what may fall under that is um, we look at significant limitations in um, adaptive functioning in three out of six specified areas. Self-care, receptive and expressive language, learning, mobility, self-direction, and capacity for independent living. So those are the factors that we we tend to look at. And and a, a good example would be someone who has a diagnosis of autism. And it may have occurred after the age of 18 or prior to the age of 22. And not everybody who is autistic um, will meet the eligibility criteria. So that's why I use that category. Uh, But there are some individuals who are autistic who absolutely will meet the definition, the second definition that I I just uh, spoke about.
0: And who is it that makes the determinations as to whether um, the person is um, not functioning uh, in accordance to expectations in those various categories.
1: What I would say to families is really this. If you um, see that there's some limitations with your son or daughter, the first step, really, follow up with your primary physician. And, and, and then once they start uh, school or if, if there's no diagnosis at that point, typically during school, the, the, the schools will notice uh, certain limitations. And you can request that they do a, a psychological testing. Um, to, and the reason for that is you do want to make sure that um, the appropriate uh, teaching methods, et cetera, are used. And if there are, there are things that are identified that need to help your child better cope, that those can be addressed early, earlier on than, than later. However, when it comes to our services, um, you can apply for our services, and we do have um, psychologists. All they do, their sole responsibility is determining eligibility of all those who uh, apply for services. And one, one item that they look for is a psychological report and they'll do other, um, uh, look for other testing to, to determine the adaptive um, skills, all of that. But it's, it's very helpful if the person already has a psychological completed prior to the age of 18 and or 22. Um, but, but rest assured, we do have psychologists who make. They'll ask you for uh, once you once you apply um, for for services, they'll ask you for documentation, and those are, and that's one of the the primary document, document that they will ask you for.
0: Okay, all right, and I just I want you for the benefit of our listeners, because we, again, may not have any knowledge or background in this at all, you named six categories. Name those six categories again.
1: Uh, Yes. Um, The categories are adaptive uh, limitations. And we look at three out of six specified areas. Uh, Self-care, receptive, and expressive language, learning, mobility, self-direction, and capacity for independent living, living.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure that um, our listeners are aware of those in the event that they have children, grandchildren, anybody they may be concerned about. Okay. So you mentioned school systems as a way to identify, you know, possible needs for services. And I would assume that the school systems make referrals to DBHDD. Is that right? So
1: what what typically happens is this. Um, there's some school systems that will reach out directly to us and try to connect us with the family um, because the schools really um, cannot. Um, act on behalf of 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 a student what they will do is they'll connect the family or the individual with us and then we'll take the process from there Um, but if 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 they don't i i do want people to to realize that we're still out there Um, but most school systems are aware of the services we we provide but i would not say totally um that's the only way you can do it you can search it out yourself and and really um th- that's simply by just if you have access to a computer just just punch in dbhdd and um our website will come up um it's dbhdd.georgia.gov, and then you can scroll and look for developmental disability services and we actually have an online application that you can start and stop and complete at your convenience. However, if you don't have access uh, to a computer, um, as I said, we do have uh, the field offices that they do have applications that, that you could, they could mail out to you. Um, on, the, on our website, you'll also find listed the the field offices and the contact numbers. So you could always call them and ask them to send you an application. But the the best method really is for you to be able to fill it out online, but that's not the only method. And and then we would uh, get back with you.
0: Okay. Um, I wanna just bring up uh, the topic of autism. It seems like there's so many children uh now who are diagnosed with or showing some signs of being on the spectrum of uh disorders is that uh are those uh, are your services available to uh kids who've been diagnosed with autism um
1: as i said earlier if they meet our eligibility criteria absolutely however um, what I'd also like to say on the subject of autism is this. Uh, probably going back a couple of years now, um, the state of Georgia approved autism services under the, the Medicaid healthcare plan. So um, you can get support for autism um, by applying for the Medicaid plan and the Department of Community Health. That's another website you can, um, your listeners can try to find the DCH, the Department of Community Health, and just type in autism, and you'll be able to see what types of supports you can apply for um, under the Medicaid state plan. Okay.
0: All right. Great. And I just wanted to put that out there because it seems like uh, very often, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was um, at a funeral um, for a family, and um, some one of the family members mentioned that a child had uh, symptoms of autism. I just wanted to put that out there because there, there's so many who, who might indeed be eligible for some services. And that kind of leads me into my next question, just how do you all determine once you've diagnosed? the person, they meet the criteria to receive services from your agency, how is it that you all determine that uh, you provide the right package of services to that child and or his or her family?
1: For every person that is approved um, for what we call a waiver, and let me just, uh, just explain what that means. Uh, typically, our services are provided in, 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 in two ways. One, um, we have what's called a waiver of a 1915 C Social Security Act, which allows the state of Georgia to draw down federal dollars uh, that are matched with state dollars to provide um, waiver services. And, and we have two kinds of waiver services one is called a new option waiver, and the other is called the the comp waiver the comprehensive waiver now the difference between both of them is this um, the, the the now waiver for short um provides supports for individuals living um still with their family and uh, that's probably the easiest way to think of it and the comprehensive w- waiver provides support for individuals not living at home with mom and dad but they need 24 seven ongoing services. So they're probably living um, in what we call a community living arrangement. But um, for you to better understand, that's typically what probably we call like a four person group home. They're living um, in a a home with three other um, individuals, Uh, could be less and um, 24 seven staffing is, is provided around the clock. And typically, those individuals requiring 24-7 staff and um, require more intensive uh, types of services. And we offer over 23 lines of services, a wide array of, of services, including um, what, what I just described is called community living support um, under both waivers. And um, we also have community residential support, which is a 24-7 um, type service. The, the community living supports, the CLS, is, is less than 24-7 um, th- that someone would need living, living with mom and dad. And we also offer behavioral supports. We also offer nursing, both LPN and RN. Um, and we also offer case management, which we call support coordination. So it's, it's a wide array of services, and those are just some examples that, that i give and in terms of nursing services um, to tell to to, to, to to explain to you how um how advanced our support services are um someone with a g-tube that means that they're getting fed through their stomach uh, can live in the community and can live safe safely and can have a wonderful life because the, the nursing services that we approve will be able to help support them so when someone applies, we try to determine, we have, assess, we have an assessment tool that we use to determine uh, their level of support and what those support needs are going to be. And we have conversation, not in isolation. We do that with whatever team, um, whether it's mom and dad or others that are supporting them that um, can offer uh, advice too. And we do do... So that's one, one assessment we do. We do do a nursing assessment. We do a behavioral assessment. So there are a number of assessments that we do to determine how best to support that person once they get into waiver services. And the second um, area of, of services, uh, that, so the first area are the, the waivers. The second areas, area is considered family support. Now, remember, the first area, um, federal dollars, match with state dollars. Family supports, no federal dollars, all state dollars. Um, and what that, what that really means is that someone may not need the type of supports I just talked about, but they may just need a, a, a couple items of spe- special medical supplies. An example could be um, someone just needs diapers. Um, uh, and that's all the family needs to to keep that family unit intact to to go forward, so family supports will help fund that. so those are the types of services that we offer.
0: okay, and you made that reference to diapers. I want to be uh be clear about that. Um, I think one of the things that people may not recognize if you haven't been exposed to it is that some of your clients may never get out of diapers correct
1: um so when i reference diapers i'm i'm actually talking about younger people um, um so we do have adults who you know like an adult live in the community where where it depends right um mm-hmm. so we, we offer that 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 service too
0: okay all right i just just wanted to, to make that clear um the last question i have for you today Um, is uh, what are some of the things about DBHDD that you wish people knew?
1: Okay, Um, we're here to serve. That's the number one thing, we are here to serve and ensure that individuals with developmental disabilities and mental health needs receive the support they need. Um, In in terms of intellectual and developmental disabilities, we realize that there are over 180,000 individuals with IDD in Georgia, and we're only able to serve the most in need. So we have tremendous respect for those families that are providing services day in and day out to their sons and daughters. And we recognize that there will come a time when more supports are needed, and that's, that's why we're here. And we also provide services for individuals with mental health needs. The community system is well-developed for both IDD and MH services. And I invite more families to follow up with us and find out what services are available. And lastly, we are an agency that cares.
0: Thank you so much for sharing with our audience. Again, if you all did not catch his name, uh, this is Ron Wakefield. He's the division director for intellectual and developmental disabilities with the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Thanks so much for the work that you are doing in the great Peach state of Georgia.
1: Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure joining you today.
0: Now that you are better informed about how the state of Georgia serves people with disabilities, please connect the dots with these last two episodes. We learned from Ms. Knighton of the tremendous needs that exist and we learned today that while state officials have a duty to help, there are not enough resources to serve every family and every individual with disabilities. But who can make a difference with that? They will be the state representatives, the state senators, and the governor that we elect in November. Local Matters exists to highlight the connections between the needs and the issues and how you personally can change things when you enter the voting booth on November 8th. Thanks again for being a part of the Local Matters family and be blessed. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.